Ever since 74-year-old Joyce Montgomery of Atlanta, Georgia, was diagnosed with a rare form of cancer, she's faced major decisions about her treatment. As her illness has progressed, she struggled with anxiety and physical symptoms. Through all of it, Joyce has had one mission, to keep doing the things she loves for the people she loves. This is Joyce's Palliative Care Story. Joyce is a lover of music, travel, and her family. She spends her life helping others. As a professional educator for over 20 years, she taught music to elementary school students. As a school administrator, she's worked in helping to raise money for her institution. And in her church, she's known as someone who steps up for her fellow parishioners. I like volunteering, whether it be with seniors or whether it's seniors, including myself, or whether it's working in in the school districts with uh, some of my former students, or whether it's just volunteering with the with my neighborhood group. Born and raised in Atlanta, Georgia, Joyce spent a great deal of her life in California. But in 2004, she made the decision to retire from her job at California State University and come back home to care for her ailing mother and aunt. It was a real hard decision to leave that job and to come back to Atlanta, but my parents had been so good to me and my mother's sister was a, uh, she was also a dean of a college. And so she had taught me so many things until I couldn't do anything but come back and try to be of assistance to them. Despite retiring, Joyce stayed on as a consultant, which sometimes required her to travel between Georgia and California. It was on one of those flights when Joyce felt severe stomach pain. After medical tests, the doctors discovered a tumor in her abdomen, which would require surgery to remove. Six months later, more tumors needed to be removed. For the next six years, Joyce would have to have a series of surgeries to remove more tumors as they continued to grow back. After one of those surgeries in 2011, a CT scan showed even more growth. At that point, Joyce's surgeon sat her down. He says, you know, I'm not going to operate on you any, anymore because if I do, you won't have a quality of life. Joyce's surgeon explained that if she underwent more surgeries, she wouldn't be able to travel or potentially be active at all. As you can imagine, hearing that more surgeries weren't recommended was extremely hard for Joyce to hear. She felt that it meant her surgeon was giving up on her. He sent me back to my oncologist, and uh, when I went to the oncologist, I guess he saw all the hurt and despair and disgust in my face, and he says, well, let's Let's see if we can try something else. Joyce's diagnosis was of liposarcoma. It's a slow-growing, soft-tissue cancer. Now, with this form of cancer, tumors can be removed through surgery. But if the cancer continues to grow, which in Joyce's case it did, additional options include chemotherapy to help slow the growth. Her oncologist did two things to help Joyce right away. He recommended moving forward with chemotherapy, and he referred her to a palliative care team. I was put into palliative care because of my hostility and my despair and the depression that I had gone into and was not ready to develop my lifestyle of being available to my family to do, for us to do fun things, to go see my grandkids, or to participate in all of the activities that I was doing here. Palliative care is specialized medical care for people with serious illness. 
This type of care focuses on providing relief from the physical symptoms and stress of a serious illness. The oncologist explained that the role of palliative care was different in that it emphasized the quality of life. And so I agreed to an initial appointment with the palliative care team. Her oncologist believed that we would just be helpful and that meeting us in early on and working on keeping her healthy and functional and, and doing symptom management would be really beneficial. That's Dr. Anna Scold. She's a physician and team lead of the palliative care clinic at Kaiser Permanente Medical Group in Atlanta. Every day, Dr. Scold's team deals with patients with serious illnesses like cancer, heart disease, Alzheimer's, Parkinson's disease, and others. Her unit treats people of all ages and at all stages of their illness. Our team is going to focus in on you as a whole person within a family, and we're going to figure out what your stressors are, and they can be financial, they can be physical symptoms, they can be emotional, they can be spiritual, they can be resources. Whatever it is, we're going to figure out ways to make it better, and that's our job. Palliative care is provided by a specially trained team of doctors, nurses, social workers, chaplains, and other specialists who work together with a patient's other doctors to provide an extra layer of support. We hear different things. So the chaplain might hear a specific component of angst or existential crisis related to something, and they might be able to pull that out and dig a little bit deeper. And the social worker might hear a coping mechanism that's not working really well or something that's keeping somebody up at night or caregiver burden or a resource that, you know, is missing that could be really helpful. And the nurse and the physician might might be able to hone in more on medications that aren't being taken the right way or could be taken in a different way or a symptom that could be really managed better. Despite learning what palliative care was from her oncologist, before that initial meeting with Dr. Scold, Joyce and her family weren't quite sold yet. We all were skeptical about how this appointment would go. But when we got there, we were uh, welcomed by one of the palliative team members. And she brought me and the family members into a conference room to meet with the entire palliative care team. Dr. Scold and her team sat down to chat with Joyce and her family. We basically ask the patient to tell us a little bit about yourself, you know. We start from the very beginning. Tell us where you were born. Tell us how you met your spouse or tell us about your kids and your grandkids and your job and, you know, your community life. If you belong to a certain faith, do you have a church that you're really active in or a different community that you're very active in? For Joyce and her family members, that initial palliative care consult left an immediate impression. When we went out of the door of, of the office, we looked at each other and just hugged each other and just broke into smiles because we could not believe what we had heard as compared to what we were thinking. And so we said, yes, this is a go. We're going to do this. It can't do anything but help. This was something that was going to help all of us. Now that Joyce was on board with palliative care, decision-making became the first focus. This decision was whether or not to go with the chemotherapy option recommended by the oncologist. Joyce, her family, and the palliative care team huddled together to weigh the options before coming to a decision. We decided to start some mild chemo treatment. 
uh, to see how they would work. This was the best thing for, for me at this particular time. Palliative care specialists empower patients to make those decisions by clearly explaining all the options and helping to support them as they ultimately make the choice that's right for them. If you've got four brains together and thinking about things in different ways, you problem solve better. I mean, that's really what we do. We sit down, we hear a story, we hear good things, we hear bad things, we try and make as much good as possible. So let's focus on the good and let's figure out how to make it better and let's problem solve how to do that. As the chemotherapy treatment began, there were more problems to solve. For starters, Joyce's anxiety and depression surrounding this new course of action remained an issue. It was just so apparent when we first met her that she was a joyful person, but we needed to find a way to put more joy, more of that joy that she's always had back into her life. And that's really what we kind of focused in on. Dr. Scold says treating the psychosocial issues a patient may be dealing with is a vital piece of the puzzle, but it is something that can be solved if treated the right way. Some of that anxiety interfered with sleep and activities and and doing the things that she wanted to do, and we did need to start anti-anxiety medicine, and that, that was necessary. Sometimes it's not necessary, but it was necessary to get her back to her joyful self. Now, obviously drugs aren't the only way to treat anxiety and depression. Fostering an environment of open communication through the ups and downs is a big focus for palliative care teams. Joyce now had the support to talk through her fears, frustrations, and hopes. The social worker I work with often says this, and I think it's a, it's a great way of saying it. If you're walking down the sidewalk and you have all these big, heavy bags that you're carrying, sometimes you need the medicine to take one of the big, heavy bags away, and then the therapist can take the other big, heavy bag away. And you might still have some of the light bags that you're dealing with, but at least you're not weighed down to the point that you're you know, you're about to pass out on the sidewalk. So I think you need, you need a little bit of both. Anxiety can take us to another level of acceptance of life. And she wanted to be sure that we were on a common term here so that I, underst- I would understand that medications that I would be that would be prescribed for me would be to assist me in maintaining a positive outlook on life. With the anti-anxiety medication, as well as through sessions with the palliative care team to discuss the fears and depression, Dr. Scold started noticing the positive changes. I see her and not her anxiety. She was there and she was present and, and this wonderful human being was there when I first met her, but the anxiety was certainly part of the thing clouding her life and I don't I don't get a sense of an anxious human being when she walks in anymore I just feel like she's there she's present when talking about this positive change Joyce compares her struggle to a character in the movie The Wiz a modern spin on the Wizard of Oz story you know Lion didn't have any courage well, I think that's the way I was when I went to palliative care. And now I have courage. I, I will take on assignments. Like I'm in a project now where we're honoring the organist at our church who had been there for 41 years. And I took on that responsibility. Well, you know, it has really been beneficial to me uh, because it has helped me focus 
I have to do certain things by a certain time, which is something I had not been able to do. Another hurdle that Joyce faced early on and continues to face are the difficult physical symptoms stemming from both her illness as well as from her chemotherapy treatment. There are, are things happening to the body that had not happened before. Uh, so side effects started becoming an issue. The chemotherapy caused tinnitus, which created a constant ringing in her ears. It also caused what's called neuropathy. It's a type of nerve damage that can affect the hands, feet, and other parts of the body. I have uh, numbness in my fingers and in the tips of my fingers and in, in my toes. Uh, it was up to the middle of my foot, but I'm taking a medication, a Lyrica now, that has eased it out uh, to my toes. But that, that neuropathy, uh, just I never knew how what a part your fingers play in your life. You know, it's, it takes me forever now to, to fasten buttons uh, to try to put earrings in the holes in my ears. Just do little things that you just take for granted that you, you do until neuropathy sets in and you don't do it in quite the same way. There are many ways palliative care specialists help patients with pain. One of them is making sure the proper pain meds are given and changed when symptoms get better or worse. Another is helping the patient prepare for times when they will need to be more active, like a weekend trip or a big family event. If you're in debilitating pain to the point that you're not eating, you're not walking, and you're not sleeping, and this is like a simple one, right? If, if I fix pain and somebody all of a sudden eats, sleeps, walks, moves, goes back to do the things that they want to do, they are also going to tolerate any treatment that we offer them much better because that's all, it, that's what it's about. If you eat, if you gain weight, if you're moving around, if you're doing everything, if you're sleeping well, you feel better and you can do more. I mean, all of us feel terrible when we haven't been sleeping and we've been sick and in bed. Just reversing that gives people life. It has given me some energy because I was fatigued all the time and and now I have a little more energy I'm you know I can do a little walking and and do a little little gardening and and that makes makes me feel better Joyce's love of music remains a priority she still sings in a church choir and despite all the pain is determined to keep playing the piano I, I try to play uh, twice a week here I have a piano at home sometimes the the sound from the piano uh, exacerbates the ringing in my ears. But as far as the use of my hands, I can still do most of the chordal stretches, although I can't play as fast as some, uh, some pieces call for. You know, I'm in a slow full forward. That's about what I play at this point. After several rounds of chemo, the physical symptoms were taking their toll. Once again, it was time for a difficult decision. The question became, should Joyce take a break from the chemo to allow her body to recover or continue on with an even stronger dose to shrink the tumors? The palliative care team, we talked about it, and they said I needed to make a decision of whether I wanted to go through additional chemotherapy with you know, a stronger drug, that kind of thing, or if I just wanted to make sure I have a quality of life from then on. Well, what I did was I called my daughter and I called my cousin and got the cousins here who were always with me. 
And they came, my cousins who, my daughter came to Atlanta and my cousin in Maryland came to Atlanta. And we all had a talk with the oncologist. And what we told the oncologist at that meeting was that we were not ready to give up. We were just not ready to give up at this time. And that I wanted to move forward in, in the next session of chemotherapy, whatever it would be. After a scan following that round of chemo, Joyce finally heard some good news regarding her tumors, but the physical symptoms were still hard to deal with. It has stunted the growth of the tumors, but it has also taken a lot out of me. But to know that I'm here and the tumors are stunted, they are not growing, it has been worse all of the, the side effects that I have had. Along the way, Dr. Skold's palliative care team works with Joyce to set goals. These could be quick goals, like going to see her grandkids play baseball, or big goals, like preparing for a trip. She started really enjoying talking about trips and goals um, pretty early on. So once we started kind of getting this thought process into her head that you tell us, where, you know, what do you want to do? Where do you want to be? She had this legend of old times meeting. It was a, a conference of other music teachers, other music friends, and they were going to get together. So that was the first thing she said, I want to go to this. And we said, okay, well, let's get you there. Um, and I think that's what sort of got the ball rolling, because then we would ask, well, what's the next thing? And she would say, oh, I've got, you know, I want to fly out to Texas and see my grandson's you know, in their their sporting events. And we would joke about how she could be a really annoying grandma and, like, make T-shirts that were going to be embarrassing for her grandsons. And we'd joke about that. So then she would come in with the next thing. Well, I want to go to this. I want to go to that. Or I've got music students coming to visit me for Labor Day weekend. So that was the next thing. She's, a, she's always doing something. With her anxiety managed, her pain under control, and with goals of how she can remain active set in place, Joyce feels more prepared for whatever comes next. The quality of life is, is at a high plane because I get the opportunity to do some of the things that I've always wanted to do. Maybe not as frequently or maybe not in the same manner, but I get the exposure that I have always wanted to have in doing different things. Like I never learned to play bridge and now I'm playing bridge. You know, I always thought that was something old people did. And once I became old, that was something I wanted to do. Despite her own complications, Joyce has never lost her desire to help and care for others. It's what she's always done. Now I'm back in the classroom because I go and volunteer with some of my former students who are my instrumental students when I was teaching, and now they are teaching, and I go and assist them with their classes. For Dr. Scold, Joyce's story is not very different than those of the patients who come in every day. I think we have lots of great patients that we help and who have been long-term patients and I think are in a better place now than they were when we met them. But Joyce is just joyful. She is exuberant. She is full of life. She is the perfect example of a patient where I think partnering with palliative care and oncology and other, her, all her other doctors got her back to herself. For more information or to learn how you or a loved one can get palliative care, 
visit getpalliativecare.org.